Welcome to Rocktown Emergencies, a podcast that focuses on emergency services in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. It includes law enforcement, fire departments, rescue squads, volunteer and career, and others throughout the emergency services industry. Now, here's your host, Paul Helmuth. This week, we talked to retiring police chief Lee Shiflett from the James Madison University Police Department. He's retiring after 33 years in law enforcement, 32 years at JMU. Reason we're here is you are getting ready to retire July of this year. August 1st is the official day. My last day of uh, actual work is July the 3rd. Okay. And how long have you been with Jamie PD? Since May of 1987. May of 87. Yes. So 20, 32 years. 32 years. Okay. Yes, sir. What did you do before that? I was a police officer with the city. Okay. And what? when did you start in law enforcement? Uh, January 1, 1986. Okay. All right. And... You came on as a police officer with JMUPD, correct? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So what what happened with your career transition from police officer to police chief? Um, worked in patrol uh, for JMU for a number of years. Uh, implemented some programs that weren't uh, prevalent in campus law enforcement. Uh, forensics, I was a, one of the first ev- developed an evidence program here, evidence tech program. I uh, went to the Virginia Forensic Science Academy, which was unheard of back then for a campus police officer. Uh, back then, they only took 20 people a year. It was a five-year waiting list. Went in, uh, did well, came out, uh, shared everything that I'd learned uh, from the Forensic Academy here. Um, and prior to that, the university had sent me some, to some three- and four-day schools, whether it be evidence collection, photo, blood spatter, that stuff. So it kind of piqued my interest and... Uh, at that time, the chief said, certainly, we'll support you. So when you started here, how many officers did JMU have? Whew, uh, I want to say 16, 18, somewhere around there. It was small. Okay. Uh, and we, how many officers do you have today? We have 35 full-time, 15 part-time. Okay. So they sent you to some classes. You did the forensics mm-hmm. and things like that. Then what did you do? We, inst- we instituted one of the first bike programs in the area, along with the city of Harrisonburg. Um, what else did we, we, we did a lot of things back then. Um, we were, you know, everyone had to be a generalist. You couldn't say I'm an evidence tech. You were a police officer first and you had these side fields that, uh, you were trained in. So, and we still do that today where you're police officers first and you, uh, the, he or she, the officer may have a specialty, whether it be evidence, whether it be bikes, whether it be interviews and interrogation and such. So. Uh, worked my way up and was promoted to the rank of sergeant. Um, and we, I developed a shift investigator back then. We had one investigator when I came here, uh, Lieutenant Baker. And, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, the, the chief let us go to some training. We developed a squad investigator. So the investigator, while the case was uh, uh, hot, so to speak, we work those leads, talk to those witnesses, victims, suspects, instead of waiting till two days later, Monday, when the investigator would come in, right. uh, which helped us tremendously because we were able to solve a lot of cases that, you know, at that time, Lieutenant Baker didn't, you know, was one man working investigations for 9,800 students on campus. T- two days, case can go cold. Exactly. You know, especially if it's a non-student, they're here visiting, which, you know, knock on wood, thankfully, most of our, a lot of our... Uh, a lot of our incidents are non-students. Right. 
So, and and actually, it, there's a lot of cases, and I, I'll ask you a little bit about that later. Of of that's a lot of the issue is is the non-students off, off campus. It is, and let me let me rephrase that. Off campus, it, it's it truly is on campus. It's more crimes of opportunity where you leave a door unlocked, and uh, you know if we looked at our stats, I can't say that non-students are right are are responsible for those thefts and stuff. They're crimes of opportunity. But, you know, when you have 5,800 students living on campus now and 16,000 living off campus, then... Right. Yeah. So you started investigator program mm-hmm. and all that. What else did you do? Uh, that's pretty much... I mean, that was a lot in the short time period. And again, it was... It was, uh, it was out of need. You sure. needed those things. Um, when did you become chief? I was the acting chief... Uh, our chief and our lieutenant, uh, our chief at that time was running for sheriff in Shandor County and was elected and took the next in line uh, supervisor here, which was lieutenant, uh, to Shandor County. And uh, Mr. McNutt, who was our director at that time, which is what I am now, uh, said, it's yours for, you know, for six months to a year and then we'll open it up. Uh, and at that, at, at that time, you're down two positions. Uh you know, they handed me special events, they handed me patrol, they handed me cadets, they handed me dispatch. All at one time? Uh, all at one time. Uh, a lot of long hours, but it, it, it taught me a lot that I didn't, had no idea went on. Right. And how to run it. Uh, so I grew into it, thankfully, and had a, had a mentor, uh, Mr. Alan McNutt, uh, who stayed out of the way and let me learn, let me make the mistakes, but obviously would step in if he saw it was, you know, a mistake I shouldn't make. He but he let me learn and taught me, uh, taught me a lot. So, what what made you decide to get into law enforcement? <laughs> the days off, quite frankly, and wanting to help people. Right. Um, you know, I worked at a grocery store when I came out of the Marine, uh, Marine Reserves. Worked uh, Bridgewater IGA and loved it. Loved interaction with people. I was working six days a week, and I had friends that were police officers and. Uh, they were coming in every day, and I'm like, guys, what, you know, I'm working six days a week, and they're off every other day. Oh, we work at HPD, and I'm like, I believe I want to do that. And I've loved it ever since because the interaction is still there, being able to help people, uh, which is truly why I got into this besides the day's office. I like, I like meeting people and, and chatting with people. And if we can help them along the way, then so be it. Right. So in the amount of time that you've been police chief here, What's the biggest changes you've seen on campus? Obviously, the growth. Um, you know, every year we get a new group of students that have their own unique uh, challenges, and um, they have their own. I don't want to say that uh, personality. Each each freshman class has its own niche, its own personality, and that's that's you know that's that's a good thing, quite frankly. Well, something that you probably see here that you don't see in a, in other departments is you have a one hundred almost one hundred percent population turnover every four to five years. We do. It's a trans. I mean, it's, it's you know when I was at the city, our our people first are great people, our students, and the city residents of Harrisburg as well. But they're not trapped here. They want to be here. They're here for a reason. Right. So you don't have that. You know, you don't run to the uh, six hundred block of Fielddale Place every night. Each night something different. Each year it's a different dorm, right? Uh, and it's it's. What do you see as the biggest difference between a campus police department 
in a city police department like Harrisonburg? Well, anything that happens in the city happens on campus. It might not happen with the frequency. Right. Uh, I would say the biggest difference is we have time to, you know, we're not running from call to call to call. Obviously, we, we ran 30, over 30,000 calls last year. We have the time to devote to the victim, to the witness, or in the service. We do service like no one else. Right. You know, we carry the jump starts, the unlocks. We give escorts. You know, I, I, I remember not too long ago that uh, I got a call at home that we had delivered a death message, and the young lady, young student, didn't have a ride to the airport. I paid someone overtime to get her to the airport because that's what we should do. It's what we do as a community is that service. So everything that happens in the city, county, or any other municipal setting, we see it. We just don't see it with the frequency. But on the back of that, you know, I've always said I can teach someone to protect. I can teach you how to be a police officer in a year. I can't give you compassion. Uh, you know, I can take as long as they can read. I mean, as long as they have... I can teach someone to be a police officer in a year, but I can't give you that compassion, that drive to want to serve your community. And truly, that's what we do. It's, it's, we can't do this by ourselves. If we don't get the tips and have the support of the community, we're of no use to anyone. Right. So. Well, I will tell you, as an outside observer, watching between the Harrisonburg Police Department and JMU Police Department, that customer service that you have, that public relations, is very different on campus than what you would see with the city. I, I, I won't say that because it, it's, again, they have the frequency. Right. Uh, they have, you know, they can't, they don't have time to spend six, seven hours on a call where we do. Right. You know, if I have to pay someone overtime or pull someone off to, to assist in a way, I can. So, it, But it's the, it's the availability of it or the, yes, right, it, that but, the ability to commit to that. But I've seen, uh, I've seen Harrisonburg provide sure. a service. I've seen the county, so I can't say that. But, but again, we have the opportunity to put more, uh, Effort into it, put more time into it. Uh, but again, we don't have that. We don't have that high call volume. We do at times, sure, and we're stressed at times getting getting people out and answering calls. But you know, again, I'll pay someone overtime for that service. So you talked about the fact that you've got, I think, thirty five full time officers, yes, sir, fifteen part time officers. Mm -hmm. um, I know you provide law enforcement for campus, but one of the big things you do is events. Mm -hmm. Tell a little bit about the special events and what you all do, especially going into the planning of a special event. You know, planning for, say, a homecoming game started the week after homecoming last year. Uh, you know, outside of game day where, you know, a week ahead of time, which, you know, we've met, we met with all our regional partners, Harrisburg Fire, Harrisburg Police, the Sheriff's Department, State Police. So it's not just JMUPD. Right. Again, I think that's, that's where we excel is, you know, in all the other departments here, crime knows knows no jurisdictional boundaries. If it's going to happen in the city, it can happen at JMU. So we can't be territorial. So when we start planning for homecoming, we reach out to fire department, we reach out to police saying, hey, we think we're going to need 20 officers here. We think we're going to need uh, engine standby, truck standby, fire watch, uh, EMS, you know, the squads with across the, the Sims people. So we start planning ahead of time, whether it be state police, county, city, whoever. And we look, we critique every event after we get done. You know, we don't really do it like the after action, but we sit down and say what went what went great this time, what went wrong, how can we do it better? And it's, I mean, move in, move out. When I first came here, was a nightmare. Uh, it's just it wasn't well planned out. Now it's over a three day period. We don't gridlock streets. We don't clog up fire lanes. So that planning is just, you know, it's a little different each year. We try to make it a little better. 
So well, and I don't think people realize until they sit in it the amount of traffic. Oh, no. Whether you're talking about a football game, graduation, move mm-hmm. in, move out, and the amount of traffic that you have moved through campus. And we try not to impact our surrounding streets, our contingent streets. You know, we try to lessen the impact on Port Road because obviously the interstate, but Port Road is one of our major thoroughfares of the whole city. I mean, right. University Boulevard, 300,000 cars a month. That's 15 cars every minute. Right. So we take that all into consideration, work, work with the city uh, street department who helps us with lights. They manage some of the light systems, most of the light systems for us during graduation, homecoming and stuff. Shut down lanes, we inbound, outbound traffic. Again, so we, at all times we've got one lane of traffic should something occur, whether it be a fire, medical emergency. That you know, in, When I first took over, we would gridlock things for 10, 15 minutes. You can't do that. Right. Uh, so it's... It's a work in progress. Every event, we find something new that we can tweak it or do a little different. Now, you know, you have special events like sporting events, which you do tons of years, whether it's softball, basketball. We have over 300-some thousands or 300-some events a year. I mean, that's that's a ton of events. What other, what other events other than sporting events and graduation do people not think about the fact that public safety has to take a part well, of? Well, orientation, when you're bringing a thousand new people in here, uh, admissions, uh, you, know, you don't see that as much because they're not gridlocking, but trying to move a thousand people on a on a business day, right. where we've got X number of people and X number of parking lots, whether you're busing them, having to rent space off campus, uh, you know, that's that's the things you don't see because we do it well. Right. Uh, well, I think that's the that's the thing that people don't think about the fact that if if we do our jobs well. You don't see well, us. And, and really, people should not know my name because as our uh, first media relations director that I uh, worked under says, you know, the less I see your name in the paper, the better off you're doing your job. Absolutely. So, yeah. And I've lived by that. So, you know, we don't, thankfully, our crime rate's low, but thankfully, it's uh, low enough that I, I don't have to be in the paper every day. I want to thank Chief Shifflett for taking some time to talk with me. His leadership within JMU and the surrounding community will be missed. I also want to congratulate him on his retirement. You can find JMU Police on JMU's website at jmu.edu forward slash public safety. On our next episode, we continue talking with Chief Shifflett about advice he'd give to new and upcoming officers, as well as providing customer service. You don't want to miss it. Don't forget to like the episode and subscribe to the channel. I also look forward to hearing from you in the comments. Until next time, have a safe week. Thank you for listening to Rocktown Emergencies, a podcast focused on emergency services in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. You can follow Rocktown Emergencies on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps. If you want to email Paul, you can email him at paul at rocktownemergencies.com. Join us next time for Rocktown Emergencies and have a safe week.